Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Takes a shot, runs into the box, shot, score! It's time for Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer. Rebound, score! This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight live on 92.9 Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show. We cover soccer in Atlanta, in Georgia, in the Southeast, in the United States, in this hemisphere, in the world, and beyond if we can find it. That's what we do. And make sure you subscribe to Off the Woodwork as well. That gets you all of the soccer content that we're putting out on 92.9 The Game. And this is going to be a busy week of soccer content on 92.9 The Game, because there is a midweek match on Wednesday, then another league match on Saturday as the Atlanta United schedule really starts to ramp up. And, oh, the noise is really ramping up as well after an unacceptable home loss to Charlotte over the weekend. It is a 3-1 loss to a team that Atlanta won in their house. Charlotte gets their measure of revenge. They don't keep the clean sheet. Juano Parata ruined that late, but it didn't really matter by that point. Even though, look, the fight was there at the end and Atlanta had some opportunities and felt like if they had found a second, who knows what happens there. But you can't have the start to the match that you had happen. And no, the first 30 minutes or so of the match was not bad from Atlanta United. You had match control. Charlotte didn't have a shot until they scored. They didn't have a second shot until they got a penalty and scored that. They didn't have a third shot until they scored their third goal. So it's not like Charlotte played Atlanta off the park. And that is part of the frustration and the unacceptableness of how things went down on Saturday night. It's one thing if you get beaten by a team that outplays you. It's another if you don't take advantage of the match control, and this is not a new phenomenon for Atlanta United. And when things start to go south, the response isn't immediate and strong. And that wasn't forthcoming in this match. And it was disappointing. Uh, Look, Atlanta United's got to learn how to hold on in games when the rhythm and or the level and or the intensity drops. Intensity isn't something that is consistent for 90 minutes every single match, every single time out. That's not possible for Manchester City or Real Madrid or Liverpool or Inter or Milan or any team in the world. 
What the good teams do, though, is they find a way to hold on and they find a way to get out of that lull because lulls happen. Sometimes lulls last a while. Sometimes they last games. Sometimes they last segments of matches. Sometimes they last five or 10 minutes. And Atlanta United has to get better at managing those. Look, the way Atlanta United wants to play, they want to control games. They want the ball. They want to make things happen with that control and with the ball. Not always going to happen. Wish it was that simple. You know, wish you could just say that you have possession, so you have goals. It doesn't work that way. It also doesn't always work the way that teams are having success against Atlanta United in that they concede some of that control and they hold on and they wait for their chance to strike and they take it and they're clinical and they're intense in those moments. I don't think Charlotte was incredibly more intense than Atlanta United in this match. I know that word's been thrown around a lot and it's easy to take a, a comment in a post-match and, and twist it into a million different pretzels that you want. There were moments where Charlotte was more intense and there were moments where they were more clinical and there were moments where they looked better. They didn't look better for 90 minutes. The scoreboard's all that counts, right? And Atlanta United has to get better at handling those lulls. You want to put it into a, a boxing term here. It's that holding on to the ropes when you're wobbly because you're going to get wobbly in a match. Not always because the other team scores a goal in their first shot. That's a little fortunate on their end. Sometimes it's because of a good chance. Sometimes it's because of a couple of good saves from a goalkeeper. Momentum's a real thing. We can pretend that it's not, and we can try to find a, a measure for it in terms of a number, but momentum is a real thing. Atlanta's got to get better at holding on to the ropes and keeping their feet underneath them when the momentum gets away from them. And, and they haven't been. And they haven't been in a few matches here now. Go back to Nashville, where I think Atlanta generally lost to a team that's pretty good, especially at home. Can't give up that first goal. Atlanta did. It was a series of set pieces where Atlanta couldn't hold on to the ropes and get the job done to get that goal kick or get that throw in or get whatever it took to get out of that. Thought they righted the ship. Took a little while, but they did. Then they got sucker punched again for the second goal, and that's usually curtains. Now, look, Atlanta fought back, and they almost got it to 2-2. They didn't. The third goal doesn't really matter in that game. Not too much of a problem with the intensity in the fight in the Nashville game. Miami is a really similar game to the Charlotte match in that first 30 minutes, Atlanta had control. They had chances. They had the ball. The other team was not threatening at all. Miami didn't have a shot in the first 30 minutes. Charlotte didn't have a shot until their first goal. But Atlanta didn't have a goal with all that control. And that's the problem. Because what happens with that momentum aspect is where you're controlling a game and you don't get what you're looking for out of it. The lull's going to come. If you're in complete control and you don't get that goal, you don't get that reward for the control, a lull's going to come. A lull's going to happen. Typically, it's going to happen after sustained opportunities. Think back to Miami. Machoke Chol has a big opportunity that he doesn't put away. Think back to this one against Charlotte. Luis Adarujo has a big opportunity that he doesn't put away. Chol doesn't put it on goal. Luis Adarujo does. It's a, it's a good kick save from Christian Kalina. 
sometimes those saves tilt the momentum. They flip that momentum the other way. Atlanta United's got to learn how to hang on to the ropes. They've got to learn how to keep their feet underneath them. Look, whether that is sitting back to defend deeper at times, when that lull hits, that means the midfield sits a little deeper. If that means you've got to keep numbers behind the ball, if that means the fullbacks don't make those runs forward at times, that's what it means. If that's the way to do it. If it's keeping possession, but in a safe place in the field, sometimes that's what you do. A Manchester City does that quite often. That lull starts to hit. Other team starts to feel the momentum, whether it's a couple of saves, whether it's a chance the other way. Keep that possession in the middle third, in the attacking half. Keep it simple. Keep it safe. Knock the ball around. Create that rhythm. Ride that lull out. And that's something Atlanta United's got to find their way of handling it. I don't know what the way is. And that's the thing. It's not an easy answer. I mean, it's easy to to tweet about it and yell about it and write about it and blog about it and, and whatever. You know, all that's easy for us to do. A team has to stay true to their idea. And Atlanta United's got to find that part of the idea and that part of their identity this year. How do you handle those moments? Is it with the ball and being safe with it and riding it out? Is it sitting back a little bit deeper and defending in those moments? I don't know the answer, but it's something Atlanta United's got to find because right now they are getting absolutely punished when that lull hits. Charlotte did it three times in a row. They have to, Atlanta has to respond to adversity quicker. It takes a while to get going after the opponent hits that counter punch. In this game, look, that counter punch, the real counter punch was a penalty and a red card, which that's a pretty big counter punch. And Atlanta United looked really bad after that. And they give up the third goal immediately. That's on top of the Miami game, on top of the Nashville game, on top of the Memphis game. That can't happen. That can't happen. The adversity, you have to handle it better. And again, whatever that way of handling it is, Atlanta's got to find that. The fight wasn't strong enough after the red card and the penalty. And, and we can talk about that. And uh, I know anytime we talk about referees, some people think that's an excuse and it's not. And look, referees are a big part of how a game plays out. You know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. It is it is the third team in the match. And that's something that the, the referees talk about themselves. I don't feel like Lucas Spala had very good match control here. He seemed angry at times with players as they talk to him. Um, I thought it, the management of the match was strange at times, uh, but he got the red card right to Andrew Gutman um, because of the explanation afterwards. Now we can quibble. We can argue. We can say that the shirt grab wasn't impactful, but really think about it. How many times when you see that shirt grabbed, is it going to be a penalty and a red card? Not every time. That, that wouldn't be accurate, but often, yes. And in the written explanation that was given uh, to the pool reporter, I believe it was Joe Patrick, our own Joe Patrick, for this one, he said that he said he, he felt the shirt grab was impactful. That was the word that was used. That's a very important word to use, and it follows the laws of the game and these kinds of things in terms of do you make that call or not? Once the call is made, you have to go red. It meets everything in denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Did it affect the play? I didn't really see any argument about it. I didn't know what the the re review was for. 
I had no idea until they showed a lower camera angle where you could see the shirt grab and we talked about it. And is it a call that gets ha- gets made 100% of the time? No. Is it a call that gets made over 50% of the time? Yeah. And Andrew Gutman um, on Twitter took responsibility for it, said not to blame anybody else. Um, it, it's it's very commendable for Gutman to do that and to be the, the big man here and take that responsibility. That play wasn't the sole deciding factor in this game. But yeah, when you get sucker punched with a penalty kind of out of nowhere and a red card and likely the second goal, which is then converted on Charlotte's second shot of the game. Yep, that's it. Third goal ended it as a competitive contest, obviously. Uh, Third goal, third shot of the game. Took a while. Atlanta kind of found some ways to get back into it. Yorgos Yakamakis came in. Juan Parata gets a goal off a corner. Atlanta's been really good on set pieces, corner specifically in 2023. They're among the best in the league. But that wasn't enough, was it? Franco Ibarra tried to lead by example. And, And I have to give him a ton of credit because... It felt like he was the only one who got off those ropes fast enough. He was the one who was doing everything he could to try to shake this team up, covering ground, trying to win tackles, trying to jump into passing lanes, jumping from one player to the next to the next to try to help defend and make up the the man disadvantage. Even tried to start a counter on the dribble. That's not his game. Um, Almost pulled it off, too. I got to give Franco Ibarra a ton of credit for being a shining light on a night that was looked pretty dark, wasn't it? You need more than that, though. And he's not a leader, I think, vocally. Um, he's young. He's in maybe his first year as a first-choice regular player on a team with this much expectation. I think he's handling it well. Um, now that he's back from injury and concussion protocol, I would not be surprised if he is the regular number six because of that character that he showed in this game. Now, how does it improve? Sometimes it's down to little things. Teams that are struggling, they've got to find the balance between that identity and leaning into it even stronger. That's what a, a Bielsa or a Guardiola team, that's what they do. Uh, Bielsa talked about his time at Newell's Old Boys in his first year as a coach where things really started to turn and go south and they couldn't get results and they couldn't get things done. And he questioned himself and he questioned whether he was cut out for this. And as he questioned himself and what he was doing, he believed in it even stronger and he went deeper into it and got better at it and worked harder at what they were working on and made it better. Pep Guardiola has done that. Pep Guardiola, a little more, little more tinkering and, and it's little things but he'll change things a little bit, but he doesn't ever get away from his philosophy, his idea. The only times he has in his career, he's failed. And one of those was with Bayern Munich uh, going into a second leg where they'd had a poor first leg and they decided to go all out in the second leg. Um, Go back to kind of the German style. It's what the players wanted to do. Uh, Just throw everybody forward and rah, 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 and go fight, 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 win, win, win. And they didn't win. And that taught him not to get away from that. Other teams do it differently. Other teams have leaned into, okay, we're not getting goals right now. We are struggling to find results. Got to lean into being hard to beat. I've talked about that in this league. Toronto went through a spell of that, and they got better. Now, that's 
wheels have kind of fallen off for Toronto, which shows you that sometimes getting away from that identity might not be the way. Other teams have had success with it. You know, look, you have to be better defensively. Atlanta United's got to be better defensively. And it's not a overall defensive scheme kind of thing, in my opinion. It's little moments, and they're not handling them well. And they're making mistakes in situations. And players are getting loose, and transitions aren't happening well. And something that we talked about coming into this game, you can't let Ashley Westwood get free to, to pick out passes. And he does. And it's a recycled cross that wasn't good to begin with. But when things recycle, it's easy for players to get free. And Westwood puts in a dime to the back post and Justin Merrim scores. It's not an easy decision here either to figure out how you handle this because Yorgos Yakamakis is getting healthy. We've seen what this team looks like with him in it. They've looked like the best team in the league with him leading the line. They're undefeated in his five starts. Personally, I think this team believes in its way of playing. I think it believes in its potential. I think the players believe in each other and they believe in the staff and vice versa. I think there's work to be done to realize that potential. And just judging from what Gonzalo Pineda and players said after the match, I think they all understand that that is what's needed. I think you also have to get Yorgos Yakimakis back into this team and you have to get him back hitting on all cylinders and you have to get the best out of him because he is someone who can change this both with his actions on the field, like Franco Ibarra tried to, I think with his words, I think he can come in and be a leader in a team that can use a little more of that leadership, especially with Brad Kazan out with Osvaldo Alonso fighting his way back to full fitness. I think you've got to lean harder into your identity and lean into what makes Atlanta United good when they've been outstanding this year. They got some fortunate breaks in the results around the Eastern Conference on Saturday night as well. They're in fourth place. They're only six points off of the top of the Eastern Conference. You've got to take advantage of that good fortune, not just buying some lottery tickets, but you've got to get some points starting on Wednesday night. Coming up in three minutes, we'll get a little bit deeper into what's coming. Colorado on Wednesday, Chicago on Saturday. Bounce around MLS as well. Be back in three on Atlanta Soccer tonight on 92.9 Game and the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back. Atlanta Soccer Tonight live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Trying to make sense of where Atlanta United is right now. After a series of losses, they needed to get back home to get things right, and they did not on the weekend against Charlotte. Talked about how you make things right, but this is a weird week to try to do it because it's not a normal training week. This is kind of like the Memphis week where you have a midweek game. It's a league game this time against Colorado on Wednesday before going to Chicago on Saturday. So you don't have a normal training routine here. This isn't a week where after a bad performance, after a bad loss, an unacceptable loss, like I said off the top, you can't have that super intense training session where everybody goes flying into tackles and knocks each other around and you cross your fingers that nobody gets hurt, but you get that attitude that you're looking for. Well, you you can't do that. You can't afford to do that on a week where you have a Wednesday match. You're not going to have a normal routine. You know, you have your your off days already baked in. You have your your region days for guys who didn't play. You've got a training session tomorrow where we'll get to see the first 30 minutes of it uh, with the media. You're playing the next day. It's not going to be a crazy intense session. It's going to be more of a fine tuning session where maybe you need a normal full training session to shake the cobwebs off of all this stuff. You're not going to get that. You're not going to get it before Chicago either. You're going to have that recovery day on Thursday. You're going to have that day before the game training on Friday, then fly to Chicago and play in Chicago. Now these two opponents are, are both in different places. It's kind of interesting that this is the matchups that you get right now with Atlanta United wobbling after a poor run of form Wednesday at home against Colorado, Colorado is somehow better on the road than they are at home. Now it's not saying a ton. It's two wins on the road and it's none at home. No wins at home is very strange. They didn't get one Saturday night is a late winner from Kai Wagner as Philadelphia got the win. Now look, they were nine games unbeaten in all competitions coming into that game. Nine games unbeaten, four wins, five draws, and two of the wins were in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup against teams from lower divisions. One of those wins was on the road at an LA Galaxy team that was really struggling at the time and did win last night, so maybe that has changed a little bit. And the other win was against Sporting Kansas City, who was really struggling at the time, and things are very different for SKC now. They're actually scoring goals. They scored three of them. And they've won two games in a row. This is a a Rapids team that is struggling in the attack. They're averaging less than a goal a game in MLS play. But they've only given up 14 goals. They are kind of on that 
other side, like we just talked about, about leaning into your identity, especially if you're a ball playing team and you want the ball and that's how you're going to approach things. Colorado has kind of went the let's be difficult to break down route. Let's be difficult to beat route. And they've had a number of games that have been close. Again, this isn't a team that scores a lot, but this is a team that has been pretty good defensively. The 2-1 loss to Philadelphia, it did cost them a player late in the match, Brian Galvan, with the very strange uh, decision in a melee at the end of that. And we talk about match control from referees. Well, this one definitely didn't have it. Uh, Three yellows and two reds late, and Galvan got a red in the 99th minute for pulling down the shirt of Jesus Bueno and spitting on his chest. It's a move that I've never seen before in a fight anywhere, (laughs) anywhere in sports or not. One of the craziest things I've ever seen. Brian Galvan will not be making the trip. Um, This is a team in Colorado that on the road generally leans to a setup that's a more of a 5-2-3 5-2-3 or 5-3-2 than a 3-4-3 or 3-5-2 like they play at home. Three center backs, two wing backs, two holding midfielders. Connor Ronan, one of them, he's been very consistent for the Rapids. Maybe their best player overall. He got the goal in the game against Philadelphia. Uh, Danny Leva might be the other player next to him, might rotate there. Um, an attack that will generally consist of Diego Rubio, Kevin Cabral, and Jonathan Lewis. And none of them are really traditional nines. Uh, Rubio, nominally the nine, although he'll drop into the midfield. Cabral and Lewis will flare out wide, but they'll come inside. It's it's honestly a little bit of, let's get seven guys behind the ball. They'll come help out when they can. Otherwise, you three guys figure it out. Have fun. That's kind of the Rapids offense, and look, that's why they've struggled at times. Rubio's a player, though, when he's on, he can hurt you. He is a very talented player, a wildly inconsistent player, a wildly emotional player on the field, but a very talented one. And he's had good games against Atlanta United in the past as well. The wingbacks, I think, are something to watch here, especially with Andrew Gutman suspended for this one and Caleb Wiley gone with the USU 20 team getting ready for the World Cup. Who starts at left back? You have two options. Uh, Three if you want to move Brooks Lennon over to that side, but I don't think that happens. Ronald Hernandez and Aiden McFadden are the two options. I think Ronald Hernandez will be the left back. You do have a third option. We'll get to that in a second. Ronald Hernandez would allow you to keep the shape. He has played left back before. Um, Is he a traditional left back? No. Can he handle it well enough to make it work? Yes. Um, That would be the simplest. Plug and play Ronald Hernandez at left back. Aiden McFadden would be the other one. McFadden has also been more of a right back than a left back, although this season he has played not quite exclusively, but a lot at left back with Atlanta United 2, also with the first team in preseason. McFadden, I think, is up to the challenge. I think Hernandez is the better overall player. Which way do you go? McFadden might be a little more comfortable playing on the left side because of his experience doing it in 2023. We'll see. And again, this is a week where you wish you had maybe a full week of training. So you could kind of try both and see how it looks. You'll get Gutman back for the weekend, but you're going to have to figure it out for Wednesday. The third option is Luis Abram. And does he play as a left back that stays home a lot and you keep a 4-3-3 shape? 
or do you go to three in the back and play either Hernandez or McFadden as a wing back? Um, that's also a possibility. That would be a big tactical change, and I don't think you do that because, again, you don't have a week of training to prepare for it. This is not a video game where you can just say, we're going to play a 3-4-3 now or a 3-5-2, and it'll be fine. It's not how you do this. You have to work on these things. And Atlanta United has worked out of a 4-3-3 consistently. I think they'll stick to it, but you can do it in different ways. Abram could be the left back in a 4-3-3, get forward a little bit, get forward occasionally. He's technical enough to handle the position, but he'd stay home a little bit more and give you kind of a lopsided feel where Brooks Linden would be free to go pretty much all the time. And your left winger would be free to stay up high pretty much all the time because you know that Abram is not going to be the overlapping or underlapping kind of player like we've seen from Andrew Gutman or Caleb Wiley. So options and Gonzalo Pineda is going to have to figure that out for this weekend. And it's not or for this week, not even this weekend, this week. And it's not an easy decision because there's not a like for like kind of replacement here. If Caleb Wiley wasn't gone. That'd be the easy solution. You don't have that easy solution. So. It's going to be a hard solution, which one you go with. I think it's going to be Hernandez, but I could seriously talk myself into the Luis Abram as a left-back solution and see where that goes. But we'll find out on Wednesday around 6.39, 6.40-ish, an hour before kickoff. Fun doesn't stop there. Then they go to Chicago on Saturday, and the Fire have won two in a row since firing manager Ezra Hendrickson which I did not agree with. I don't think that was the right decision. But then you get two wins, and it's a new manager bounce. It's the players realizing that, hey, we could be next. It's something was wrong, and it's been fixed. I'm not quite so sold on that. More of the new manager bounce for me, and it's Frank Klopas, who is the new manager, third time in charge of the fire. He's going to be there for the rest of the season. He is a fire legend. He was on the MLS Cup winning team in 1998 towards the end of his career. Uh, Frank Klopas is a Chicago soccer legend, a Chicago fire legend, and he's going to be the one who tries to figure this out. Did pretty well against St. Louis, didn't he? Two wins against them, first in the Open Cup, then a 1-0 win at Soldier Field on Saturday. Rafael Shihos scored the only goal of that one. Center back, didn't start the game, was questionable coming in. He had subbed in for an injured Carlos Teheran just minutes before getting the goal. Where is Tehran's availability going to be on Saturday? Where is Shehos's availability going to be on Saturday? What does the rest of that injury list look like for Chicago on Saturday? We'll have to wait and see how they get out of Wednesday first because they play midweek as well. They are on the road in Charlotte on Wednesday night before returning home to face the Five Stripes at Soldier Field. That's an 8.30 Eastern time broadcast start uh, for Apple TV's MLS Season Pass. 8.39 kickoff there. We'll be on the air at 8 o'clock on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Some other updates around MLS. Montreal is on a run. If you dismissed Hernan Losada early on, well, you got it wrong, and a lot of people did. Uh, shutout win over Toronto. That was their fourth consecutive shutout win. First time in Montreal's MLS history that they have won four straight without conceding. And they've done so by a 2-0 scoreline in each of the four games. Montreal is just the 13th team in MLS history to record four straight clean sheet victories, excluding the shootout era. Portland Timbers forward Frank Boley scored an early breakthrough in the sides match against Vancouver on match day 12, one minute, 19 seconds into the game. 
fastest scored so far in 2023, fourth fastest scored for the Timbers in their history as they've really righted the ship after they were here early in the season, lost 5-1. Things can change. Things have changed a little bit for the Timbers. They're in a really good spot right now after a win over Vancouver. Uh, Jesus Ferreira is loving playing Austin. Dallas got the win. 89th minute winner from Ferreira. That gives Dallas all three points in the game at Austin. His fifth regular season goal against Austin. The most by a player against Los Verdes in league history. Jeremy Abobasi has four. It also matches the most goals by Ferreira against a single opponent in his career. Jesus Ferreira would like to play Austin a few more times this year. Well, he's not going to get that every week, but he's got to continue to produce like he is. And like I said earlier, don't look now. Sporting Kansas City, they've won two in a row after beating Minnesota 3-0 over the weekend. So let's take a look at the table and get caught up on where things are as teams have played 10, 11, 12 games, mostly 11 or 12 at this point in the season. Let's go out west first to get caught up on our friends over there. Colorado, who comes to town Wednesday night. They are in 10th place, 12 points through 12. That would put them on the outside looking in of the postseason picture. First place right now in the west is Seattle, 23 points through 12 games. Now, LAFC, 2.1 points per game. They've only played 10. Remember, they have made a run in CONCACAF Champions League. They had a game rescheduled during that, so they're only on 10 games. They're only two points behind Seattle, and they have two games in hand. St. Louis City, who started hot, but has only won one of their last six, they're on 19 points still through 11 games. The conversations around St. Louis and around Atlanta are very, very different, although they're in the very, very similar situation. Just saying. St. Louis has struggled as of late, and I think people maybe have missed that. Um, Atlanta struggled as of late, and nobody's missed that. Dallas is in fourth in the West on 18 points. San Jose is tied with them on points, but has played one more game. They're in fifth. Portland on 15. Houston on 14. Ben Olsen getting the job done so far in year one. Vancouver on 14 points as well. They're in eighth. Minnesota in the last playoff spot in ninth on 12. Colorado behind them. They've played one more game than the Loons. Salt Lake is in 11th. Austin is in 12th, LA Galaxy and Kansas City are at the bottom. Although Kansas City's won two in a row, they were on three points. Now they're on nine. Galaxy won over San Jose. They are also on nine. Let's move over to the East and get caught up. The reason I keep bringing this up is you have to take advantage of your Atlanta United of your good fortune. And your good fortune is teams have not extended the lead in the Eastern Conference and teams have not caught you yet. Now, those Gaps, the gap at the top is still the same, six points. The gap of teams getting close to you, well, that's going away, but you're still in fourth place if you're Atlanta United right now. 18 points through 12 games. One behind Nashville. He's played the same number of games. They're on 19. They're in third. Cincinnati and New England are tied at the top of the East on 24 points. New England's played 12 games. Cincinnati has played 11. Philadelphia is right behind Atlanta now in fifth on 17 points. And then it is a conglomerate. At 15 points, Miami, Montreal, Columbus, D.C., New York City, Orlando, and Charlotte are all on 15 points. That is sixth place through 12th, all on 15 points. Three points behind Atlanta United. That gap has gone away, but you're still only six points behind the top of the table, and you have to take advantage of that. 
You've had some good luck in that regard. Take advantage of it. That needs to start on Wednesday. Rest of the East, Chicago in 13th on 14 points. Red Bulls on 12. Toronto on 12. That bottom three, two of them have changed managers. Toronto has not. I don't think they're going to. Bob Bradley calls all the shots in Toronto. But things are a little sour right now for the Reds. It looked like they had a little bit of a flurry. They did. They, they got the, the draw late against Atlanta at home. Thought maybe that was going to be a springboard for some things. Hasn't been. And Toronto's got to figure this out at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. All right, coming up next in three minutes, three local stories, four world headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that we love so much. Three, four, three coming up in three on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. It's time to wrap up tonight's show with the three, four, three. Three, four, three. Three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back. Atlanta Soccer Tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. It's the 343. Three local stories, four headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that I love so much. Let's start on the local side. Number one, maybe some stories that, that you don't know about and should know. Number one is one that I definitely think you should know. Jordan Dudley uh, had a chance to call her state championship game with Cambridge High School last year. Uh, also a former player at the UFA club. Jordan Dudley was named to the U.S. Women's National Team U-20 squad for the CONCACAF U-20 championship. That's being played in the Dominican Republic. Turn- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It starts for the U.S. on May 24th against Panama. Uh, such an exciting attacking player, Jordan Dudley. Keep an eye on her with this U.S. U-20 women's team. Not the U-20 World Cup like the men yet. It is the U-20 CONCACAF Championship, and it'll start next week against Panama. believe you can watch those games on Paramount+. Plus. Be on the lookout for it. Number two on the local side, Georgia Revolution. They defeated the Georgia Storm last night in Carrollton. This is NPSL play. It was a 2-1 win for the Revs. Georgia State midfielder Justin Guest scored the winning goal from the penalty spot in the second half. Uh, Guest is returning for another year at Georgia State, taking advantage of the, the COVID year that many players are around the college game right now. And if you don't know the NPSL, you have amateur players for the most part. There are some teams that don't sign current college players that do operate under a semi-pro model, but most teams and, and the Storm and the Revs are fully amateur, so current college players 
can play with them. Uh, Georgia Revolution has a couple of guys who came from Atlanta United's academy set up. Uh, Evan Schroeder is one, another Georgia State player, center back, player that I really like. Uh, took the spot as a freshman last year and ended up becoming a key part of Georgia State's back line. Guest is such a good, tricky 1v1 winger, a player that I've always enjoyed calling. Uh, he's from Henry County, where Georgia Revolution is based out of. The Storm are based in Carrollton. But through two match days in the NPSL Southeast, it's actually the team based in Kennesaw, Apotheos, that is leading the six-team conference. They have two wins. The Locos, they're led by former Centennial High School star and former Atlanta Silverbacks player, Junior Sandoval. Uh, Sandoval is a player that came up through the Alianza Youth Club, also played with us with Atlanta FC, the uh, team that preceded the Silverbacks Reserves. Started in the NPSL, uh, Soundoval was playing in Open Cup games in Charleston when he was 17 years old, uh, a long, long time ago, and he's still doing it at the NPSL level. It's good to see Junior coaching it locally and giving back to the community and still scoring goals as well. Junior Sandoval is still a handful for teams to deal with. He's leading Apotheos FC to a perfect 2-0 start in the NPSL Southeast. Get out to these games where you can. Make sure you're following all of them. They're all active on social media and you can go to the NPSL website for all of the upcoming schedules. Number three on the local side, Efrain Morales scored his first goal of the MLS Next Pro season for Atlanta United 2 yesterday. It was a 2-1 loss to Crown Legacy FC. Crown Legacy has not lost this season. They only had one draw this season, and it was a really interesting match. It was a 5 p.m. kick, so one of the interesting factors was the heat, and it was maybe the first day that teams have had to play in serious hot conditions. And it took a toll on the game. It, it was a little up and down in terms of pace. It slowed down at times. I think players were, were struggling with the heat a little bit. Um, but it was a really good game. When you compare the teams, Atlanta United 2 is very young. Uh, started a ton of teenagers against the team in Crown Legacy that probably had a good three, maybe four years on them in some cases at certain positions. A little bit older team with Crown Legacy, which... Look, it's not a surprise when you're talking about a club from Charlotte FC, Crown Legacy is their MLS Next Pro affiliate. The academy's only a couple of years old, so they're not producing the same number of players like Atlanta United is, where you've got a Noah Cobb and Efrain Morales, both teenagers playing at center back, where you've got Luke Brennan playing, where you've got these young guys who are being tasked with big roles. Um, Charlotte's not there yet, so they've signed some guys who are more professional in terms of experience. Uh, they had a couple of Brazilians that I thought were very, very good. Joao Pedro was the one that, that I thought was their best player on the day. Really interesting game. Uh, fun game tactically, fun game to call. We get a chance to call the Atlanta United two games for the Soccer Down Here network. That's like a radio-style call. A lot of fun to call. I like to see the, the growth in this team, and it was a really good test for them. They've bounced back after a, a slow-ish start to have a good run. Now they've had a little bit of struggle with a loss on the road where they had a 2-0 lead, lost that to Inter-Miami, 3-2. This one, they gave it the first goal early, came back into it, got the equalizer, and then really could have went either way, and Crown Legacy got the winner on another mistake. It was a good game, and it's a learning lesson for Atlanta United, too. And that's what that team is. That's what that team is there to do. I think they're going to be as a basis of what MLS Next Pro is more competitive on the wins and losses in 2023 and beyond. 
but it is about that development. And Efrain Morales is in a great run of form right now at center back. Noah Cobb is just turning in good performance after good performance after good performance right now. And Atlanta United 2 is a team that you should definitely keep an eye on. If you get a chance to catch them in action, highly recommended. They will be on the road next on Friday night down in Central Florida against Orlando City B. Four headlines from around the world. Let's go to Spain for number one. Barcelona wrapped up their first league title since 2019. 4-2 win away. Now it was across town um, against local ro- rivals Espanyol. 27th time that Barcelona has won La Liga. First time under Xavi, former midfielder, club legend. He returned a year and a half ago when the team were ninth in the table. They had won just four of their opening 12 matches last season. And Xavi, 18 months later, and with all the financial difficulties that this club has, has won the La Liga title. He became the fifth person to win the title with Barcelona as a player and a coach. Some of these names you're going to recognize. Pep Guardiola, Luis Enrique, Johan Cruyff. Xavi was already a club legend. He is even more of a club legend, and he was absolutely the right person to come in and fix Barcelona, at least as much as a manager could fix them. They've been very consistent this year, and that's usually what works in La Liga. They've been good defensively this year, and part of that is Ter Stegen has been incredible in goal. 25 clean sheets, and when you look at the XG versus the goals allowed. They've only allowed 13 and only two at home. He is greatly outperforming the XG that is being allowed. Is that sustainable? Well, no. And they've been kind of caught out in some of those situations in in European play. But in league play, only 13 goals allowed in 34 games. 25 clean sheets for Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. The league record's 26. And there's four games left to be played for Ter Stegen. I think he's probably going to get that. 11 1-0 wins for Barcelona this year in La Liga play. That doesn't sound very Barcelona-ish, but we'll talk about identity and how a team is going to play. Xavi is absolutely an acolyte of the positional play. Johan Cruyff through to Pep Guardiola mentality, but Xavi has his own spin on it. I don't think it's defensive, but they have been strong defensively. And Ter Stegen is a big, big reason for that. They've also, going back to our first segment, talking about how you handle the lulls in games. I think in general, Barcelona's done a good job of that, and they've done it with the ball. Marcelo Bielsa, number two on the world headlines. He is back in action, named manager of the Uruguayan men's national team through the 2026 World Cup. That was announced today. Third South American country that Bielsa has coached. He was with Argentina from 98 to 2004 and with Chile from 2007 to 2011. First games for Bielsa likely going to be in June when Uruguay will play friendlies against Nicaragua and Cuba. Uruguay, they begin their qualifying campaign uh, in September. (laughs) It's so weird with the World Cup not being that long ago. I mean, less than six months ago. And it was three and a half years from the next World Cup because of it being in the winter. And now we're already starting qualification for South America in September. Now, it is a little different. It's a 48-team tournament that is going to happen in the United States, Canada, and Mexico in 2026. 
six South American countries will qualify automatically as opposed to four. And a seventh will enter into the playoff format this time. There was the fifth one that did that in the past. So six out of 10 going automatically and a seventh go through the playoff. I think Marcelo Bielsa will get Uruguay into one of those spots. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch it. Again, identity. His teams have a very strong identity and they do not really waver from it. How long will it take for that to click with the Uruguayans? We're going to find out pretty soon. Number three on the world headlines, semifinal Classicos in Liga MX. Clausura title will be decided by four of the biggest clubs in the country, and they paired off perfectly for the TV ratings. First leg of the Clasico Regio is Tigres and Monterrey. That's going to be at Tigres on Wednesday. The second leg is Saturday at the Estadio BBVA Bancomer for Monterrey, the Rayados. The other semifinal, ah, it's only the Super Clasico in Mexico, Chivas and Club America. First leg is going to be in Guadalajara, Chivas hosting it on Thursday. Second leg will be at the Estadio Azteca in Mexico City, Club America hosting that on Sunday night. Just go ahead and make sure that you know where these games are going to be, if they're going to be in English, if you're going to watch in Spanish. Um Highly recommend keeping up with these. These are the two biggest rivalries in Mexico, and these are the semifinals in the playoffs. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Number four on the world headlines, Champions League in Europe. Second legs tomorrow and Wednesday. Drama sure to ensue. Let's start with the game tomorrow. Inter, they won the first leg 2-0 over Milan. Two goals, three minutes apart early in the first half. Henrik Mkhitaryan and Edin Sheko gave Inter the dream start. Milan, they held on to those ropes, and they needed to because they almost lost the whole semifinal series in 30 minutes. They didn't. They held on. They didn't give up any more goals. So 2-0 down, they've got, they've got themselves a chance. They get the opening goal in this one. <sighs> All the drama. All the drama. Inter is the home team in the second leg, but look, it's the same stadium. It's San Siro. Milan's going to have plenty of support. They've got to find their form again, though. They lost to Spezia 2-0, or lost to Monza 2-0 over the weekend. Uh, They have to get their focus back. You could say they were overlooking that game on the weekend. Uh, That's not acceptable. Um, You can't lose 2-0 to a team like that. And They've only won two games in their last eight in all competitions. And I don't know the last time they won a game uh, 3-0, which is what they got to do to win this one. They've got to score at least two to force extra time and in penalties. I don't know if Milan can do that. Uh, and they've got to keep Inter off the board. If Inter starts like they did last time, I don't think Milan can hold on to those ropes anymore. I think the ropes are going to buckle and they're going to fall. We'll see. Uh, Milan's got to get an early goal. And then things get really interesting tomorrow, potentially. The other game's Wednesday. Manchester City hosting Real Madrid. Kevin De Bruyne's goal gives City all the momentum with the tie leveled at 1-1. Look, it's a pretty simple scenario. You win in advance. If you win in regulation, if you win in extra time, you win in penalties, somebody's going through, and it's pretty simple how you do it. Can Ruben Diaz bottle up Kareem Benzema for a second game in a row? Benzema really didn't do much in that first leg. Vinicius Jr. got the Real Madrid goal. Can City keep their 25-game unbeaten streak in Champions League going? They haven't lost in Champions League at home since 2015. 
Uh, it feels like a different Manchester City team than previous editions in Europe. They have a defensive solidity that they've lacked in the past. They've only given up five goals in 11 European games this season. I think City goes through. I think Inter goes through. And I think that's your Champions League final. Three things quickly that make me smile about this game that I love so much. Number one is Dwayne De Rosario. It's his birthday. And it brought back a memory of one of the best goals that I have ever seen. Uh, I retweeted it on MLS uh, from MLS this, today, this morning. Uh, his free kick from 2005 against the LA Galaxy. It is on that Roberto Carlos level of insanity in terms of the bend of the shot. Now, this one didn't bend left to right. It was a, a curler from with his right foot going from right to left. But he hit it so hard. It goes around the wall. Kobe Jones, I think, feels the wind blowing by him and turns to look at it. And it's still rising when it hits the net. It's insane. It's one of the best goals I've ever seen. Happy birthday to Dwayne De Rosario. That's a goal that I will always share every time I see it. Number two on things that make me smile about the game, the J-League celebrating its 30th anniversary. The men's game in Japan has come a long way in recent years. Back-to-back round of 16 appearances at the World Cup. That's the first time Japan's ever been able to do that, and they've been really close to advancing. The development of domestic talent in Japan is growing rapidly. We're seeing Japanese players go to the Scottish Premiership with Ange Postacoglu and Celtic and thrive. Not just go there and make up the numbers, but thrive. Are we going to see more J-League players make the move to MLS? Maybe, possibly, hopefully. Because I think the level of technical ability combined with the, the fight and the grit, I think those players will fit here. Number three on the local side, the unified team for Atlanta United. Uh, Saturday night, it was just a joy to watch and to call. It wasn't exactly easy to get hyped up after the MLS result earlier in the night, but it was not that hard to smile after watching the hustle and the the smiles and the fun, the joy from players on both teams in that game. It just, it really puts things in perspective. And if you ever get a chance to support the Atlanta United unified team, please, please do so. You will be rewarded for your time just by getting a chance to watch those athletes play. It's so much fun. Join Mike Conti and me for stoppage time. We're going to do this tomorrow at 2 o'clock on the 92.9 The Game Facebook page. March to Match Day will post later tomorrow on the Off the Woodwork podcast and on the 92.9 The Game YouTube page. You'll also get a bonus interview with Matt Pollard, who covers the Colorado Rapids. Five Stripes Countdown, Wednesday, 7 o'clock from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Kickoff, 7.39. Full-time report will follow for an hour afterwards, all on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app and the Atlanta United app. And then Saturday, Five Stripes Countdown at 8 o'clock, 8.39 kick, and full-time report to follow. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Another Atlanta soccer tonight in the books. Adios, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it 
in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.